Okay, anybody ever gotten a gift and re-gifted it? Uh, the ladies will go, yes. The guys will go, no, we don't give anything back. We just take it, put it someplace, and tell them thank you, and that's the end of it. We, and we say thank you. The ladies send cards, you know, about how great the gift was and everything, and then somebody has a birthday or something comes up, and they're hoping it's not the person that gave them that gift that they give it back to. But we do that. And, and, and stay with me as we, as we go through that. Because I'm going to ask you, on this earth, on this earth, what's the greatest gift that you can touch that God has given you? And I know people will say, well, the greatest gift ever to be on this earth is Jesus Christ. Uh, well, you can't touch him right now. So what's the greatest gift that, uh, that you can touch that's on this earth? And the husbands will absolutely say, it is my wife. And you're wrong. And the wife will say, it's my husband, and you're wrong. You'll say, well, it must be my kids. Well, let them be teenagers, and you'll admit that you were wrong. Some people will say, well, maybe it's my car. Uh, maybe it's the money I have in my wallet. Maybe it's a gold credit card that I have. Maybe it's my dog. Well, if you said your dog, you're probably closer than maybe some of the other guesses that you had. 
But if you take your finger and put your finger on your cheek, you are touching the greatest gift that God has given you. That is your life. So what's the greatest gift you can give to God? You can re-gift that life and give it back to him. So this morning, know that he will take it back, no, regardless of what kind of shape it's in, what kind of damage you have done to it, no matter how many miles you have put on it, he will take it back and he will take it with great joy. He'll be glad to have it. He'll celebrate it and he will bless it. He will make it anew. So today, as we go through his message, I want you to just ponder one question. In your life as you lead it today, and you honestly do some soul searching this morning, answer this question, have I truly given my heart, my life, back to the creator whose child I am? I really don't like doing poems, but I found a couple that I want to share this morning. The first one is called Life Redeemed. And I'm sorry, I don't know who the author is. I I looked and I couldn't find it, so I guess the author is unknown. But it goes like this, and listen to these words. In real life, I hope my faith looks better than it does on my Facebook. I hope my actions tells you the same thing my status sells you. I want the person you really see to be the same as behind the screen, not one who seems so squeaky clean, but who's honestly honest about stumbling that there are times when even I have resisted to call in on the name of Jesus, but deep down the truth is this, without him I'm in a million pieces. So I hope I reflect a life that's true, someone who's the same as you, a messed up misfit that was so unclean, but by the blood of Christ I've been redeemed. Let my life reflect that I, have, I am saved. He keeps abiding me along the way, deep in need of the grace of Christ forever he has changed my life. May this message give to you the hope today that every wrong can be made right. Jesus took upon his back all evil, selfish, and foolish acts. When he rose from the grave, he made it so that those who believe will be white as snow. When we look at him and ask, tell me my sin from last December, he will smile and look at me and say, sweet child, I just don't remember. Right now, today, this can be someone who's completely new. Don't waste your life on things that shatter, but live your life for things that matter. Lay the old things aside and hit refresh because the life he gives has defeated death. Trust him today and join us together into a life of Christ which lasts forever. We're going to do some soul searching today. I say we are. You're going to do some soul searching today, I pray. That you just don't hear these words, but you do something with these words. And you allow him to guide you. So often in life, we feel like we're missing something. Something's out of whack. Uh, as they say in Star Wars, you know, the force is uneasy or whatever it is. And so we, we have those moments. You know, if, if you ever left home and thought, Man, something's, I left something. The young man tells a story of how he and his parents would go on vacation every year, and he said it never failed. We're about three blocks away from the house, and mom would turn to dad and say, I left the iron on. We got to go back. I don't want to burn the house down. 
And so dad would turn around, we would go back. Mom would get out of the car, go and check and make sure the iron wasn't going. And she would go through the house one more time to make sure that they didn't miss anything. This went on for several vacations. And finally, one year they were leaving and they were a few blocks away from the house. And she said, I left the iron on, we need to go back. And dad, rather than turning around and going back, just pulled over to the side of the road, got out of the car, opened the trunk, got back in the car, and handed mom the iron. (laughs) This passage today is about a young man searching for something, something that had already been offered to him. And this is going to be a passage that's familiar to everyone. Everyone, this is about the young man, the rich young ruler. Matthew says he's a young man. Luke describes him as a ruler or an aristocrat. Both are all three. Matthew, Mark, and Luke describe him as rich. He's a man that has on this earth everything that he absolutely needs, but he's still void of something that he wants, and he's seeking that something. While he's wealthy, as I said, he has everything he needs it here. When this conversation is over, he will walk away from Jesus with nothing. So grab your Bibles like your life depended upon it because it does and turn to the 10th chapter of Mark and I'll begin in the 17th verse. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on, on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Teacher, he declared, I have done these since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him, and he had compassion upon him. One thing you lack, he said. Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for a rich, for the rich to enter into the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed. A better word might be confused at this, at these words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? Is it easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God? The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Peter said to him, We have left everything to follow you. And then we love those words when Jesus says, I tell you the truth. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in his present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields and with them persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So let's talk a little bit about this rich man. Uh, Do we know his name? Uh, No. Do we know what happened to him? No, he just kind of faded into the sunset, fell off the edge of the earth, walked into the twilight zone. We don't know what happened to him. Some scholars said, you know, if he would have had the right answers for Jesus and would have done what Jesus asked him to do, he very well could have been another apostle. That didn't happen. You see, he came to the right person with the right question 
How do I get eternal life? He came with the right attitude. He came with energy. He ran to Jesus. And that right attitude brought him to his knees before Jesus. So today, let's give him a name. Let's call him Ralph. Now, I know everybody out there was thinking, oh, don't pick my name, please. So I apologize if there's a Ralph in the audience or if there's a Ralph listening in. Ralph came running, smiling, full of hope, but walked away full of sorrow. Ralph left with the only hope that he he had, and that was his wealth. So let's look a little deeper and maybe a little more personal at this passage, and maybe we can see some life lessons here. So again, continue to honestly search your soul. Have I given my whole life back to the creator that breathed life into me? You see, God has taken the initiative and invited this rich man to have a closer relationship with Jesus. Part of the conversation may have seemed strange. Jesus says, keep the commandments. Why would Jesus say, keep the commandments? Well, the initial answer is, if you keep the commandments, then you're a really, really good person. But Paul tells us we're all going to fall short. God knows we're not perfect. We make mistakes. Sin comes into our life. So why would he ask him that? And besides that, he's asking a Jew, and the Jew would have, Jews would have memorized those Ten Commandments. They knew them complete. But he took just some of those. He took the ones that are about the relationships we have with one another, and he went through them. And he intentionally left one out. Did you catch that? If I were to count one, two, three, four, six, seven, everybody in this room would know you left out five. So which one did he admit? Let's do them again. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness or defraud. Honor your father and mother. He left out covet. Those that believe that they need more and more wealth, those that need they believe they need more and more stuff, more and more things, better things than what they have been blessed with, is what he is talking about. I'm sure Ralph smiled when Jesus went through those that list and he left covet out. That's why he answered so eagerly. I, I have kept those since I've been a boy. And Jesus said to him, but you're lacking one thing. The God Ralph had in his life was his wealth and his greed. We all know there's only room for one God in our lives. The lesson here is that Jesus was probing his heart to expose any competing gods that he had in his life. You see, God is always at work in you and around you. And we really don't mind when he's at work around us and working on other people, but it really we really struggle and are troubled when he begins, the Holy Spirit begins to work on us and begins to ask those questions of us and begins to point out those things that we are doing. And we offer excuses or we blame somebody else. And the whole reason we do that is in hopes that the Holy Spirit will either get frustrated and go pick on somebody else or he'll get distracted by something and just leave us alone. You see, the advice Jesus gave him to sell everything and give it to the poor and follow me was bringing the young man into a crisis in his life, a crisis of what he truly believed in. And it was causing him to make a choice 
that he needed to adjust in his life. Matthew 6.24 reads, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. When faced with a decision to give it all up, Jesus actually offered him an opportunity to transfer his wealth. Jesus said, you're not losing your treasures by giving to the poor. You're laying up your treasures in heaven. A life lesson here is so often the Holy Spirit in Jesus offers us a personal solution to remove other gods and replace them with the one and only God, to make God your top priority. We can look at these same issues in different situations about other gods in people's life as throughout the Bible. You can look at the 10th chapter of Luke and we see a lawyer with the same question. How do I obtain eternal life? Jesus didn't tell him, go sell everything and give it to the poor. He asked him a question. What's the greatest commandment? The lawyer said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with your very being, and to love your neighbors as yourself. Jesus said, that's correct. And then the lawyer, being a lawyer, is looking for that loophole, right? He says, well, who is my neighbor? Hoping that Jesus will tell him, well, it's your Jewish brothers and sisters, because he knew those people, but there are others that he thought beneath him. And so rather than telling him to go sell everything, Jesus responds by telling him the story of the Good Samaritan. You see, Jesus recognized that in this lawyer's life, he worshiped his pride. And then we can look in the fourth chapter of John, and we see Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman at the well, and she's asking for living water. Jesus didn't say, go sell everything to the the poor, or sell everything and give it to the poor, nor did he say, what is the greatest commandment? He says, go get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He says, that's right. You have five husbands, and the one you live with is not your husband. You see, he realized the God she worshipped was lust and the need and the desire to have men like her. So unlike the, the lawyer who was trying to learn who his neighbor was and who he should love, here was a woman that was loving all her neighbors. And Jesus wanted to correct that. The Holy Spirit probes our hearts in an uncomfortable way, but in a loving way, to remove the other gods that we have in our lives. And he gives us the opportunity to prioritize our lives back to God. So we are given the opportunity to adjust our lives and make decisions to be in God's will. The rich man went away sad because he had great wealth. You see, the rich man had everything in one hand, and on the other hand, he left with nothing. So I guess you could say he had two things. One was really not that important. Mark's gospel is the only one that gives us a a tiny but very important detail, and that is Jesus looked at this rich young man with compassion. Some version says he looked at him and he loved him. You see, Jesus loves the entire world. And we're in that world. So he loves us as individuals. Jesus really wanted Ralph to make the right choice. But that young man pondered that huge decision to give away all his money and follow Jesus into eternity. 
It had just weighed too heavy on him. We have to face the same decisions in our lives, not to sell everything and give it away, but to make God our priority. And again, the young man thought the price too high. He walked away with what he thought was important. And he was probably left to wonder, what if? See, God is a sovereign God and all-powerful, but he will not force you to accept his gift of eternal life. He gives you those choices. He will not force you to follow him. He gives you that choice. His gift of eternal life is there. Is there a gift in your life that you have or a God that you have in your life that's competing with the God that wants to hand you eternal life? You see, we know it's impossible to gain salvation through your own merit. The good news is that we read that through all things, God, that all things are possible through God. But first, you must have an intimate, deep relationship with God. You see in this passage that the disciples were confused because they believed that because people had wealth that God had blessed them. They asked, who can be saved? And Jesus' response was them, with men it is impossible. Salvation is impossible, but all things are possible with God. You see, God specializes in miracles. Moses comes to the banks there at the Red Sea, and he's got an army chasing him behind, and he's got water in front of him, and God makes it dry land. David faces the nine-foot-tall giant with a slingshot and a rock. God guides that rock to hit the giant between the eyes, allowing David to pick up the giant's sword and finish that job. Mary, talking to Gabriel, says, How can I have the Savior of the world? How can I have a baby? I've never been with a man. And what is Gabriel's reply? Nothing is impossible for God. So, yes, it's impossible for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, but there have been miracles and miracles and many in your own lives where we see that God can take you through that door of salvation. Giving your life back to the one that gave it to you is not bringing God into the picture because God is the picture. He's the artist of the picture that is life. The only way you can approach him is through Jesus. So we must accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and live that acceptance out in our lives. And I don't mean accept Jesus on Sundays or when it's convenient or when you're in trouble. Every day, every moment, he walks with you and we should walk with him. I had a doctor one time that had written something. I happened to read it, and it was kind of bizarre to me. But it, in, the, in the long term, it makes, or in the long run, it makes perfectly good sense. He said, theoretically, there's three ways you can get to heaven. He says you can die before you reach the age of accountability. I don't know when that age is, but I'm betting everybody sitting here has probably missed that window. And then he said, the other way is you can live a perfect life, free of sin, in your thoughts your actions, and in your attitude. I'm thinking they may not be here today. The third way you can make it to heaven 
is to get on your knees and ask Jesus to forgive you and become a new person as he becomes the center of your life. I'm going to ask the Calderons if they'll go ahead and come up on stage. They're going to close us with a song. And if the worship team wants to come up, that's, that's fine also. If you want to come up and assist them. You know, the biggest challenge we face as believers is our relationship, in our relationship with God is making God the center of our relationship. Not just a part-time Sunday, Wednesday evening part of our life, but the center of our life. You see, we don't always see things from God's perspective, but we darn sure want to try, try to get God to understand our perspective And we want to try to explain it to him because we think we're going to educate God about something. We pray for what we want, when in reality we should be praying for God's will to be done in our life. And then we should join him and make that happen. When he becomes the master of your life, he alone is the absolute, he has the absolute right to be the focus and the center of your life. So I have one more poem, and then we're going to hear these beautiful kiddos sing this song. I want you to be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. He knows your heart. Don't blame somebody else and don't make excuses. But do you have a competing God in your life? Something when God asks you to do something, do you suddenly don't have time to be able to help God because you have something else that at that moment is more important? So do some soul searching. Maybe you need to get rid of pride or anger or lack of faith or trust in God or fear or unforgiveness. Or you're just plain tired. and You want to crawl up into his lap, then today's the day to make that happen. This last poem is called Redeemed by Janine Quillman. My sin's dark shadows of the past lingering in my mind, stealing sweet peace throughout the day, at night the tormented kind playing the scenes of guilt and shame over and over again being unable to escape the effect of hidden sin masquerading behind a face letting no emotions show keeping up appearances so others will never know sin is sin is a life of ongoing pain causing agony and grief worldly cures all fail in time allowing no relief but god in his wondrous mercy saw my disgust discarded soul with all the love that heaven holds paid the price to make me whole i didn't know i owed a debt for anything that i had done until the veil of deception was removed and i saw god's son it was through a friend that told me how my soul could be released from bondages of darkness to receive god's perfect peace with eyes of faith faith i saw jesus my redeemer at calvary covered in all my sins and shame, shame, bleeding to set me free. Tears of deep repentance flowed like a river down my face. There my spirit was born anew as I received his saving grace. Now my life is glowing and free. All dark shadows are washed away. And in their place, the love of God overwhelms me every day. I want you to bow your heads. Close your eyes. Listen to the words of this song. Search in your soul where you are with God. And if he has your life in totality, Luke 6, 46, Jesus says these words. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? 
do not do what I say. Calderon Tabernacle Choir. It was so good. I, I have to say this. Uh, that song uh, is near and dear to me uh, in that uh, in Kairos ministry at prison. Uh, these guys that are locked up for the rest of their lives, they have some awesome bands, and they sing that song. And here's guys that who's, uh, somebody tells them when to get up, and when to go eat, and when to do whatever it is that they're doing. And they, they give their life to God while they're locked up behind those bars. So it's, it came to me Thursday. Uh, God put on my heart. Uh, this is a great song that the congregation needs to hear. And so Pastor Zeke said, let's see if we can get the Calderon. So thanks again, guys, because they did that with uh, two days notice. That was awesome. Victor, if you want to, if you want to come up. So it's not what, it's not about what you heard today. It's about what you do tomorrow. 
and how you live your life. The way you live your life is a testimony to the gift that God has handed you. It's also a testimony to what you believe about God. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So may God bless your week this week and give you the opportunity to be his vessel and may you be the light that shines in somebody's life. And may you be open to hear his calling. And when he asks you to do something, do it. Don't give him excuses. He works miracles. And he can work those through you also. May you have a blessed week. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of Jesus Christ abound with you each and every day this week as you walk in him. So you may, may you go in peace.